Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondracek here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. Again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. All right. Well, hi again. <laughs> well, we are continuing in the series, or continuing rather in the message that we started last week. So this is part two of Wide Reach, Strong Roots, and, and we are going to pick up really right where we left off. So last week, we, as our kind of primary text, we looked at Psalm 92. And in Psalm 92, the psalmist says that the righteous will flourish when they're planted in the house of the Lord. And we looked at, at what, we're, well, what we're focusing on is really that, that word, that idea of being planted. What does being planted in the house of the Lord mean? And last week, if you were to kind of summarize last week, last week was what uh, being planted in the house of the Lord is not. Last week was an is not message. Primarily, it, being planted doesn't just mean that you go to church. I mean, you go to church, and that's important. I'm talking, obviously, to people who have at least attended once in their life, right? Uh, but, but we looked at what being planted in the house of the Lord is not, but now we move ahead with what it actually is. What does it mean to be planted in the house of the Lord, and, and, and what does it mean to be a part of a church body? And what can we kind of expect to experience as a part of a church body? Because when you allow yourself to be planted, and by planted, we mean being an active part of a relational, spiritual community. Suddenly, church no longer is a destination we attend, but it's an identity that we embrace. And there is a big difference between going to a church building and being planted in the house of the Lord or being planted in a church community. So we're going to look at three ways, that uh, three out, uh, outflow, or, uh, uh, outcomes of being planted in the house of the Lord, of being a part of a church community. Three beautiful things that flourish when we identify ourselves as a part of a church. Not just go to a church, but a part of a church. Now here's the first one. The first one is that you grow strong roots. Now let's look at what this means from Jeremiah 17.8. The prophet says that uh, they, that is the righteous, will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It has no worries of drought. Deep roots, with a tree anyway, deep roots overcome heat and drought. Now, what does that mean for us? I mean, every one of us can, can relate metaphorically to what it means to have heat or drought in a person's life. There are times when the heat just gets turned up in our life. These are the times when, when the struggle or the struggles become more than we can imagine. The, the challenges feel like more than we can overcome. There are experiences in our life that break us, that feel like we are at the end of ourselves. The heat gets turned up. 
There's also times of drought. What's it like to be in a time of drought? Well, for many of us, and, and uh, I mean, I can speak personally for, for myself, experiencing times of spiritual drought. Maybe you've had this. Maybe, in fact, let me describe the opposite. When we're not in a spiritual drought, we are just on fire for Christ. We just feel like no matter where we go, J- Jesus is just with us. We feel emboldened. We feel passion. Opening up, opening up scripture is just like an adventure. You can't wait to see what God has to say next. But then there are times where it doesn't feel like that at all where we do feel like we are in a drought, where our faith just feels dried up. Everything just feels like so much effort, like it's just forced. There are times where we face a drought or drought conditions in our life, but again, when roots grow strong and deep, the tree isn't bothered by the heat or the drought. Let's look a little bit more at at what Jeremiah is getting at here. Uh, uh, Last week, we talked about... uh, Palm trees and cedar trees of of Lebanon. And today, we're going to talk about redwoods, okay? Who's been to California, seen the the redwood forest? Okay, cool. Tell me about it, because I've never been there. Uh, But but they're massive trees, and and, and so, okay, so now we've talked about, we've talked about so many trees, like, you're going to be an arborist at the end of this series. You're going to understand what the church is, and you're also going to become basically arborists, okay? So, so redwood trees, they are huge, they are massive. In fact, just to kind of compare how big they are here, there's a, a little graphic here that's coming up. Now, see this dot? No, you don't, because it's tiny. Uh, this is a six-foot-tall little person, okay? Over here is a redwood tree, over 300 feet tall. They're massive. And then in the middle here, it's like Big Ben. I don't know. That's like no reference point to me. But, but uh, they're huge. They're massive trees, over 300 feet tall. However, the only reason they can actually be that tall is because of their root systems. See, their roots are capable the roots are capable of growing 150 feet down and side to side. So every redwood tree that you see, at least one that is 300 feet or, or higher, actually represents below the surface, there's 150 feet of a root system going in a semi spherical direction, every direction under the ground. But here's the thing. Remarkably, even that much of a root system won't support the greatest potential of that tree. Because a redwood tree actually can't thrive on its own. Redwood trees have to grow with other redwood trees. Because those 150 feet of roots that go out in every direction, what they do is they start to grow together. And they become intertwined. And as a result, a redwood tree doesn't just hold itself up. It's being held up by all of the other redwood trees in the area. And it is holding up all of the other redwood trees in that area because underground where no one sees there is this spirit there is this root system that is holding up that which we see above the surface and this is what the church is to be like this is to be the body of Christ we need each other and when we grow together with strong roots, what that looks like is it, it looks like you praying for other people and other people praying for you. When we grow together with strong roots, it means that you rejoice and other people rejoice with you. And you get to rejoice 
with other people as well. It means when, when, when our root system is, is, is deep and it's connected because we're planted, it means that when you face the lowest of your life, there are people there to help raise you up. And when other people face the lowest in their life, they are there to, you are there to help raise them up. This is what we need in the body of Christ. But, and being planted in a church community means that we share the highs and the lows of everyday life. And as a result, we end up with more to celebrate and we have more of a support when we mourn, when we struggle, when the heat is turned up, when the droughts of life come, we are not alone. When we... F- <laughs> Tell me if I'm wrong here. I'm going to go out on a limb. Get it? Uh, bad joke. I'm going to stick to my script from here on. Um, but tell me if I'm wrong here, because, because I, think that, I think that when it comes to trying to live life alone, I don't think that the devil is really all that afraid of you if you go to church. I don't think he's all that worried if you just go to church, okay? I mean, I think he'd prefer you not. Okay, but, but I don't think he's that worried about you going to church. I think that the enemy of our soul, what he fears is you being planted. You being a part of a spiritual community where you are cared for by others and you care for other people. Because when you're planted in a church and you grow roots and you're connected with other believers in a, in a, in a, a special way through a church community, what happens is that we're no longer alone. We're no longer vulnerable. We're no longer isolated. Second thing that happens when you're planted in a church and church becomes an identity rather than a destination is that you produce good fruit. Jeremiah said that a tree planted by the water, again, it will be able to withstand the heat and the drought. It remains fresh and green. And Jeremiah says it never fails to bear fruit. When you're planted, you produce fruit. What's fruit? What's fruit? Well, well, Paul describes what fruit is in Galatians 5. He, he actually calls them the fruit of the Spirit, and there's nine of them. And, and the fruit of the Spirit, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the spiritual fruit, differs from, like, skills and abilities and, and talents that you have. Because sp- skills, abilities, and talents, those are things that, that you develop on your own. Now, those are still important for, for the, the body of Christ and for yourself and for the glory of Christ in the world. But spiritual fruit is different from all of those. Because when we are connected to the spiritual vine, we produce spiritual fruit. And Paul says there are nine of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Uh, I only know them by the song. Um, If I sing it, would you sing it too? Okay. If you don't know it, just listen. All right. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Watch out, Lindsay. All right. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, so, 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 but those are the nine fruit of the Spirit. And again, they differ from, from just talents and skills that we have because, because God grows them in us. They are immune to, as, as Jeremiah says, they're immune to the, to the heat and the drought. Those things continue to grow when we're planted and we have roots that grow down deep into the, into the groundwater of faith. And so, but when you find, here's, here's what's kind of, here's what's beautiful about spiritual fruit too, is that 
as they grow and as they develop in, in you, you find that they're beneficial to you, but you find that they also have more of a purpose than that, that the fruit of the Spirit can bless those you're around. They can bless your church family. Again, using Paul to kind of better draw this out a bit, he describes this interconnected blessing of the church uh, to itself, uh, but he uses, instead of a tree as a metaphor, he uses a body. So let's kind of switch our, our metaphorical mind here as we read from 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says that just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. So just like a, just like a body that has many parts, uh, thousands of parts, millions of parts, I don't know, I'm a pastor, there's a lot of parts in your body, they all work together, every one of them, big and small, noticeable and, and, and not so noticeable, they all work together to form one body, one functioning body. And so it is with the church, with Christ's church. We're all different but together, our differences combine to form one living, functioning, flourishing, thriving body. In fact, Paul, in fact, Paul is saying that, that when it comes to the church, our strength is in our diversity, not in our uniformity. That the church requires all of these different parts with different functions, or rather a body does, requires all these parts and all these different functions in order to together function as one. And so it is with the church, where our diversity, our diversity of skills, our diversity of gifts, diversity of experiences, socioeconomic status, gender, age, neighborhoods that we live, everything, all of those things combine to actually be a strength, not a weakness, a strength. And could this be any more countercultural nowadays? Because, because we live in a world that is increasingly more moving further and further and further to this siloed nature where we say, you have to agree with what I believe or have the same interests as me or see the world the same as me in order for us to get along. We can't be in the same room together. We can't possibly have a conversation together if we aren't all exactly the same. The church will always feel, because the church is, is us, and we all feel the pull sometimes from, from the world to, to align our faith to the world rather than to, to, Christ, to, to the vision of the church that Christ gave us in, in, through his word. And this is one of those cases where we need to resist that. Why? Because if, if we're all the same, the result is that we're going mean, to have moral blind spots. For instance, we're going to have things that we don't see that another person from another perspective could refine us through. We're going to have underdeveloped fruit of the Spirit. We're going to be weak in areas that Christ calls his church to be strong. And, and, and now, granted, if we were all exactly the same, we might be really, really strong in a few areas. But we're going to miss the mark as a whole. I want to 
drop the body imagery for a second and the, the tree imagery. I, I want to think about this from a different perspective. Think about a, a puzzle, okay? You, you assemble a puzzle, and it's this beautiful picture. Leah and I, we love puzzles. We did three on our honeymoon. We didn't have anything else to do, I guess. <laughs> we love puzzles. We, we are... Um, we, we found a category to, to put ourselves in. We are what you call grand millennials. Grand millennials are millennials who do old person things. <laughs> We're grand millennials. And, uh, and it does not stop at puzzles, but I'm going to move on. Uh, the point is, I'm a professional. And I've done a lot of puzzles. And as a result, and maybe you've been here, you get down to, you know, you've got two spots left for a piece and only one piece on the table. So you start searching everywhere, right? Because it, but you can't find it. It's gone. You have lost a piece. Let's say it's a 1,000-piece puzzle. You've got 999 in the right spots. But when you look at it, what do you see? The one. You are 99.9% .9 finished. That's a passing grade. But it doesn't work that way, does it? Because you look at it, and all you see is the piece that's missing. And here's the thing, with puzzles, it's not like you can, you know, shift them around, right? You can't take a piece out that might be a little more inconspicuous, you know, and, and put it there instead. You can't, you can't shove them around and make it fit. No, 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 because, because the designer has cut that piece to fit exactly where it's supposed to go. To go back to this body imagery, again, Paul, that Paul describes when he describes the church, I mean, Maybe you've had this where you hurt yourself. And you think it's like no big deal. I remember when I was in college, I sprained my midfoot. Do you know what a midfoot is? Well, it's middle of your foot. I mean, it, it, it's where you think it would be. Here's the thing. Like, I had no idea it was a thing, much less that you could sprain it. Also, you get, like, no circulation to your midfoot. So it took me five months to recover. And in that five months, while I had this sprained midfoot, <clears throat> I started to develop knee pain. Because why? Because I'm limping, right? The same with a toe, right? You break a toe, and the next thing you know, your knee hurts. Then your hip's on a joint. Then your back hurts. Next thing you know, the whole body is, is just all messed, all gunked up because of this one seemingly small issue. But whether it's an incomplete puzzle or a busted body, that's what it's like when we hold back from sharing our our gifts and talents and skills, ability and, and fruit of the Spirit. This is what it's like when, when we take everything that God has given us and we just kind of hold it to ourselves. This is what it's like when we, when we go to church instead of being planted in a church community. All right, lastly, <laughs> the third thing that happens when you're planted in a church and the church becomes an identity rather than a destination is that we grow wide branches. Being planted in the good soil of a spiritual community, it blesses you, it blesses those who are a part of your church community, and it also blesses the world. The church is meant to be a blessing to the world. It's meant to be a, a haven of goodness and justice. It's meant to be a, a foretaste of heaven. It's meant to be not just a, a place where Christians grow in, in, in love of Christ, in love of one another, but it's also a, a place, a, a haven, a, a beacon for those who are seeking truth and seeking Christ and seeking something real and seeking harmony with God and others. 
Now consider with me the final words that Jesus gave to his church. Now we have the name, we have a, a name for them. It's called the Great Commission out of Matthew 28. And, and Jesus delivered this great, when Jesus delivered the Great Commission, when he was speaking before his ascension, he was addressing the church. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now look, never mind that the, a dedicated church building didn't come into existence, as far as we know, until about 200 years later. So, but, but we, as we talked about last week, the word that's translated church does not mean church building. Jesus was not addressing a church building full of people. He was addressing, the Greek word is ecclesia, which means assembly or an assembly of people who are united around a common mission. And on that day, Jesus commissioned the church. And at Rosewood, here's how we describe in our own words this commissioning, that we are empowered by, we are empowered by Christ to reveal his love and reach our communities. That is the Great Commission, and this is our task. This is our responsibility. This is our mission. This is where, this is where God put all of his eggs in one basket. He put them here, and there is no plan B. There is no plan B to the church. We're it. We're it. The church has been assigned with the task of exposing our neighborhoods, our communities, our cities, our states, our country, our world to the gospel of grace and to introduce the world to Christ. There's no plan B to that. The word, Jesus said that the world would know that he loves the world and loves them by the way that we love one another. There is no plan B. And look, is plan A perfect? No, of course it's not. Plan A isn't perfect. But we will not stop seeking to be refined by the Holy Spirit to become more and more like Christ because, and I don't know if you heard, there's no plan B. We're it. But before we can grow these wide branches, and before you can bear good fruit, and before you can grow strong roots, before all of that happens, you have to be planted. Planted in the house of the Lord. So after talking about this now for two weeks, I want to ask the same question that I started with. Are you planted in the house of the Lord? Or are you just going to church? Let's pray. Jesus, you've given us this mission. You've given us this, this cause to stand behind. God, we join you as your hands and feet in this world. And we are given a, a, a title. We are called the church. An assembly of people around a shared mission to reveal your love, God, to reach our communities. So Jesus, help us as a church to be one that is planted, each and every one of us, for us to take steps to grow these deep roots, to grow through, God, your spirit, these, this, this spiritual fruit. And God, empower us to have wide branches, 
so that we can be that, that beacon, that we can be the ambassadors of the gospel of grace. Jesus, help us to live into this identity as the church. In order to do that, God, for each one of us, empower us to be planted. God, I, I'm so thankful for the many people here who truly demonstrate what it means to be planted in the house of the Lord. Thank you for the many people here at, at, at Rosewood, God, who, who get this, who are connected, who build other people up, who are built up by others, who celebrate with one another, who pray for one another, God, who are committed not, not just to the, themselves, but to the good and the faith of, of others. Jesus, thank you for those people. And I pray, God, that we can, can as, a, as a church, better assimilate and bring in and help others be planted in this church community, not just for us, but for this world, for our communities, so that we can be a church with wide branches, wide branches that cover over this whole community, and that the impact of your gospel through this body of believers would impact the world. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for making Rosewood a part of your day. If this was your first time listening to us, we'd love to know that you're out there. Text the word hello to 616-300-1776. And that'll open a line of communication between us and you. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.